Hey folks, welcome back to Andy Kennedy Co. and our podcast and vlog on YouTube. I'm with my amazing office magician, Mary, today. And Mary and I recorded um, the first half of this interview um, in our segment one. So if you're tuning into this, make sure to go back and listen to that first half because uh, we're jumping into the middle here with the interview. Um, and this is will that now be Mary's second podcast on her Not So Good at Small Talk. Technically, um, yes. Yes, podcast as well. So follow us on both places at Andy Kennedy Co. And uh, Mary is not so good at small talk. So let's dive back into this interview that we uh, that we just cut off because we're running long on it. <laughs> yes, thank you, Andy. Um, actually, I did say five points in the last episode, but I think we just have to go over three. Um, we did, we stopped at Basilicine Prophecy, but if you do want to yeah. expand on that, please do. And then after that, I just wanted to ask about like the other European countries that you visited and then going back to, you know, the United States and what was it like readjusting to the culture there? So Awesome. Okay. So um, at the time that I was reading the Celestine Prophecy in 1997, um, because I was in Scotland for all of 90, 1997. Um, I also had the 10th Insight with me. So I had both books. Um, I purchased the 10th Insight in Scotland um, and I didn't know there was an 11th Insight. And I, I think it came out like that year. Um, so as synchronicity would have it, I didn't read that. But the I did read the 10th. So I read all nine and then ten the 10th Insight in Scotland and had some really amazing deep conversations with people who you know, I had become friends with, very close with, and a lot of them had never had any exposure to any of this, you know, uh, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay. Um, I think this, I think the Celestine Prophecy was released by Hay House the first time. Maybe not, maybe, um, maybe they just promote it. But, you know, I was um, talking in the last episode about technology and how we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, mm -hmm. you know, a way to see like, how many books are in this series? Like you had to go to the bookstore and talk to the librarian, right? Like, to talk about these topics with those folks. And um, I, I do feel like, you know, we all connect to each other for a reason. And um, am I cutting out? My internet just said unstable. Um, for like three seconds, but it's okay, fine good. now. Okay, yeah. good. <clears throat> I was hoping that it didn't do this to us because um, it did it all day yesterday. Um, so the blessing and the curse of technology, right? Um, we expect yeah. it to work. And when it doesn't, we're like, what the heck? So anyway, um, yeah, I the Celestine prophecy has been with me now for that long, for 25 years. And um, I anybody that I come into contact with, I feel like I have been teaching it all along. Um I, you know, my husband, I mean, this was something that he read. Most of my friends did read it back then because I'll say like, you know, did you read it? Oh yeah. I read it like years and years and years ago, like 10 or 20, whatever years ago. Um, but yeah, a lot of people really, um, remember it being very influential for them. Remember thinking, you know, oh, the person sitting next to me on the plane is someone I'm probably supposed to talk to because they have a message for me, right? Like mm -hmm. all, all of those little things. So I think we had the hundredth monkey effect, right? Where you could be in, you know, Scotland or you could be in Oregon and you could read the Celestine prophecy. And it was like, 
slowly but surely a ripple across the world of, of us having this awareness of synchronicity and energy and plant energy and, um, you know, control dramas sort of all at once, right? Um, but I know a lot of people say the same thing that they said about The Secret when The Secret came out was, what do I do with this now, right? And um, I was living it. I was, you know, there was also a book called The Celestine Vision that was like how to live it and why are these insights? And it was the non, it's a nonfiction version of it. So um, sort of teaching you. And then he came out with a teacher's manual, which I didn't know until I started teaching the class. Actually, one of my students came to me and said, you know, there's a teacher's manual. And I had already created my own manual. And I was like, oh my gosh, talk about reinventing, <laughs> reinventing the wheel. Um, You're ahead of the game. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, does that answer your question? Yes, yes, it does. It, the roots to this, you've been living in synchronicity for, I guess, like all your life. It's just that you've been developing it and maturing it through your life processes and your decisions. And it's just amazing, like rehashing your story in my mind, how childhood plays a really big role in who you become as a young adult to an adult. And it's, again, like the hundred monkey effect or the butterfly effect, you know, it's a ripple from how you were as a child, ripples to how you are as a teenager, to how you are as a young adult. So it's fascinating because you think that there's no connection to certain things, but I feel like literally everything from the smallest degree are connected. Yeah. Yeah. No, everything from the smallest degree, I, I agree is definitely connected. And I, um, you know, I feel like I do truly believe that everything happens for a reason at your divine timing. So, um, <clears throat> when it comes to, you know, all of the people that I impacted, none of these people, and I'm not taking credit for this because it's, again, it's just the butterfly effect, but none of those people left Scotland had ever left Scotland. And then, you know, here I am, I come in, go, I'm, I followed, it's not even me. Like I followed Goldie and Jason there. So, you know, those two, um, you know, random pop into their world. And then I show up random pop into their world or nothing's random. So I pop into their world as well. Um, and, um, they all have left the country. Colin went off to join the Royal Air Force. Um, and he was kind of a rebel. So that was an interesting decision. Um, Charlie came to visit me in Florida, in uh, Colorado, I mean, twice. Um, and Debbie, uh, did an around the world trip with a six month stint in Australia as a nurse, and then eventually moved to Australia. So, um, you know, it's like that permission to be free, right? I feel like that was what I brought to this little pocket of friends in Glasgow. That's amazing. You set them free unintentionally. You were just there to share your insights and that's what happened. Um, living in synchronicity, I feel like some people, when they hear synchronicity and manifesting and, you know, there are no such thing as coincidences and that even coincidences are synchronous to nature. Um, I feel like some people would, would fear that or would be scared of the idea like, oh, everything is, you know, I'm living in synchronicity. Do you feel more free? in that sense that everything is connected 
and your choices now will affect what happens in the future. Because I feel like if some people hear that, it would scare them. It does. It's a fine line between uh, what's my destiny? Is, is everything faded or predetermined? Um, and the way I've been taught is that, no, there's a loose path that you can take and there's lessons that you have chosen to have. Um, but this is the, that's why the only, that's why that book is called the only planet of choice. We have the free will that, that really what I've been told is exists nowhere else in the universe. So earth is a very unique place and it's why a lot of souls and spirits want to come here. Um, is to have that experience of free will and choice, right? Which can lead you down a dark road of addiction or um, depression or, you know, whatever happens in that dark road um, because mm -hmm. it's choice, right? Like you, every day you have a choice to make, to be the light, to live in synchronicity. Um, and I think the 10th insight gave me a little bit more of that awareness that, I have to choose um, the good. I have to choose the path of good um, over and over again to stay on the path of good, right? Uh, it's not just divine. Like I don't believe in luck. Um, you know, I, I believe in manifestation. Um, and that can be scary for people, especially people with very devout religious backgrounds because you're taught, you know, you have to give it all over to God and God, it's God's will. Um, which differentiates, um, people right there, you know, um, that doesn't feel free to me. And, um, and, you know, yet some people, I mean, they revel in that. It feels very supportive to them. They can turn it over to God and it's God's will. Right. Um, mm -hmm. and so it's just perspective. It's just perspective. And that's why I love the 12th insight because the 12th insight really looks deeply at all the religions and makes sure that we take the best of each religion to come into this era that we're coming into where hopefully um, religion is less of a dogma and more of a uh, spiritual choice, right? Um, more of yes. a, we're all in this together. You know, it's a language. It's, you know, the Tower of Babel, like let's all come together and doesn't have to speak. We don't have to speak the same language or live the same religion, but we all can live without judgment and, ch and choose the path of good every time. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, who you call God or source or where you get your, your energy. I love that. It all comes yeah. from the same place. It all comes from the love, from love sent from heart center. And that's how we're all connected is through our heart centers um, and we separate from source when we drop into this dimension and that teaches us separation. And our job is to get back to source, to, to unify, to come back, you know, to congeal back into the light. So, um, very interesting phenomenon and very interesting concept. Like I could talk about that for another 20 minutes of, you know, how it can be very scary. And it's a fine line of like, is this fate is synchronicity guiding me towards this line of fate that I don't have a choice of? No, I don't believe that. I believe that you have a choice at every turn. Yeah, um, free will. Yeah. You have, this is the planet of free will. Yeah. That is so incredibly freeing to, to hear you talk about that because I, 
imbibe in that frequency as well. And I come from a very religious background because like here in the Philippines, there's a lot of Roman Catholics and you know how the Catholic church is very structured. And I know that for a lot of people, it works for them. I mean, you know, you do you, it works for you because there's structure and you have a community. And I think it's a beautiful thing, but it doesn't work for everybody. Like it doesn't work for me. And like manifesting in synchronicity and living in a synchronistic manner works for me. And I'm not saying that it works for everybody because I'm sure that, um, let's say Catholic or someone of a different religion, or maybe even an atheist would say that living in a synchronistic way is not for me. So I just think that this is the shoe that fits and this is how I see my lifestyle going. And it just, um, I, I like feeling free, but I also like my structure. So I think like you telling us that peace is like such a sigh, like to know that someone also feels that way. Yeah. It's um, usually the people who say I've always been the black sheep, right. That come to find me of like, I'm not, I feel like I'm the odd man out. Um, because, you know, even, even some of my friends who are still very, um, devout or, um, you know, very structured in their religious beliefs can still bring this in, in their way. Right. So it's not either, or, um, and I, that has taught me a lot because I was very, um, I think judgmental about the stricter religions of like, it doesn't have to be so strict and regimented and this is how we pray. Right. Like that's for me, that's how Lutheranism felt. Um, you know, this, this was, I heard a whole sermon on this is how we pray. And it's like, I don't pray that way. <laughs> right. So now I'm all <laughs> wrong and I'm not getting into heaven, like screw you. Right. But that's that for me, it's like that, you, like you said, that works for some people and it gives them security. It gives them mm-hmm. community. It gives them purpose. It gives them fulfillment. And, um, I I do think it's important to teach people to behave better. And I do value that about religion that for the most part, it teaches people to behave better. Right. Yes. Because God is always watching. Right. Yes. Yes. And it sets an order in the world. It's, it's a beautiful thing, but of course, when, you know, things go South as most things do, or most things can, and that's when the bad comes in. As with anything that's good, there's always a there's always a darker side to everything. So that's another yeah. interesting thing that I would love to talk about. Yeah, but- no, I I would love to spend a whole segment on religion at some point too, because unpacking that in the twelfth insight, I think, um, helped me understand. Um, you know, I was I was raised my my father wasn't really raised with a lot of religion, although his his father's side were all Lutheran ministers, and his mother's side were. Italians, but they were not Catholics. Um, and my mother's family was more Methodist, uh, Protestant. So mother Methodist, father Protestant, right? So a lot of religion that nobody really followed. Everybody was kind of like, meh, I'm going to leave, leave that at the door. I think my dad doesn't call himself an atheist per se, but he believes that we turn to dust. So he's a scientist, you know, he's an economist. So he's not really into the religion piece, although they think the older he gets, the more he thinks about what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So, but I, um, I went to first grade one day telling my, told my teacher that I was Jewish and I got called out for, for randomizing my religion. Um, 
and uh, got in a little bit of trouble for it, you know, um, and got called out for sure. Um, but yeah, I, um, I have always been experimental with religion and, um, you know, if I lean, lean towards any religion now, um, it's sort of Zen Buddhism, but I also value a lot of the teachings of all of the religions. And that's what the 12th insight has taught me. Um, like I even appreciate things about the Muslim religion and I appreciate things about Hinduism. Um, I, yeah, I, I could, I definitely could convert to Hinduism. <laughs> I love, I love the colors and the God and all the different gods. It's such and, a vibrant religion. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So um, that movement was already taking place in the United States and, you know, herbalism and the new age, that movement was taking place in your country, but being exposed to a new continent, say Scotland and the other European countries that you visited, would you be able to also confirm that you saw traces of that movement there too, or was it yes. untouched? No, in pockets of, um, of Glasgow, I found a Buddhist center and I studied there. I practiced yoga at the Buddhist center uh, multiple times a week. Uh, I was, I was, I was such a regular there that I really felt like I was part of their sangha, their community. Um, and, um, I learned really some core foundations of meditation there. So, um, that definitely continued to further that along for me and that relationship with Buddhism that I have. Um, and then I also found an apothecary. Uh, and I was buying herbs at this apothecary very regularly. So I met the herbalist there and talked to her and, and continued my study of herbalism there and, and finding local plants. I would go up into the, the countryside and, and hunt for herbs and plants and, um, connect with nature and the plants of Scotland. Um, and, um, yeah, I was thinking about a couple of the other things, but they, they've jumped my jumped out of my brain. I, I also, I also continued my, my passion for writing and signed up for an online, which is crazy because there wasn't anything online, but it was called correspondence learning back then, um, where they would mail you a packet and you would do your, your, your coursework and then mail it back. It's like the first online sort of, um, and I found, I found this is called the, it was from the Morris college of journalism in Sussex, England. And I found it through a newspaper ad you know, do you want to be a writer, like take our course. So I paid for this course and took it, uh, part of it, half of it while the last three months while I was in Scotland and half of it, the last, the three, it was a six month course. I took the last three months of it when I was in, um, I went back home. So, um, yeah. And so you went back to the United States after a year of being abroad. And you also mentioned, um, a couple of points back that, going back to your home country, you experienced culture shock. Yeah, I did. I actually spent, I spent all of July in 97 when I was in Scotland, in Spain, traveling, hitchhiking the Southern coast of Spain with my girlfriend, who was my roommate in Oregon. She came over to visit and we, we went, I had saved up a bunch of money again. And I went down to Spain and I well, actually went to Amsterdam first. We spent a week in Amsterdam and then two weeks in Spain. And, um, and I spent all of my money and I was going to go home. And I was like, crap. I mean, I had said goodbye to everybody in Glasgow. I wasn't going back to Glasgow and I had spent all but like $80. 
didn't have a ticket home. And I, what could I get with $80? I spent $60 on a flight back to Glasgow. And, um, you know, I was missing Charlie and missing my friends. And so I was like, screw it. I'm going back to Scotland, which is my home at the time. So, um, and then I had to work a different job. I couldn't work at the pub anymore. So that's a whole nother story of, of, uh, breaking the rules, which I'm good at. Um, Odd jobs. Yeah. yeah. Well, more, more like uh, not under the table, like, yeah, using somebody else's national insurance number, which is probably a uh, federal offense. Um, so uh, uh, anyway, I, um, <laughs> I just laugh at myself. Like, yeah, I made it out of Scotland like two weeks before they came looking for me. So um, again, synchronous <laughs> and allowing source to guide me and keep me safe, which I really believe my angels do. Um, so I get home and Scottish people are quiet. Um, they're reserved English people in general, you know, are quiet and reserved. And, um, I mean, Scottish people can get rowdy and they can be loud for sure. Um, but I was used to like in conversation, um, I had started, I had shifted the way I speak because they couldn't understand me either. So I had an, I had picked up an accent. Um, so I got home. Um, I had a different, I had lived a, a different life and um, yeah, I didn't want to live there anymore. I didn't like the weather. I didn't, um, I didn't like the confinement of an Island. I didn't like the lack of fresh food, you know, greens and gardening, um, and I didn't want to live in a dirty city anymore. Glasgow was pretty dirty and roughneck. Um, so I left, but I, I, I missed the version of me that was the identity that I had there. And I think that's a piece of what happens to you with culture shock. All of a sudden you have to be something you're not a, anymore. A slightly different version of yourself. Right. Yeah. Not by so, choice. Right. And so I had, I, I was this awakened version of myself. I was thinner, I was healthier, but I was different. You know, I was practicing, you know, yoga. And, and so, uh, I spent a few weeks in DC with my parents and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't be here. I can't be with you guys anymore. I need to go down to, to Florida. So I went down to Florida for about six weeks, uh, to college and lived in a orange, micro VW microbus that was named Tangerine, um, that a friend loaned to me and let me live. It wasn't running. So he was like, you can live in my van. So I lived in his van for those six weeks on campus. Um, and you know, illegally, like that's not, you're not supposed to let anyone do that. So, um, but you know, this, was, this is where I went to college. It was 97 now 98 actually. Um, you know, cause I got home December 13th, 97. So this was uh, February and March of 1998. Um, and I had graduated in the spring of 1995. So some of the people that I, that were freshmen and sophomores were when I was there, were still there. Um, and that's who I connected with, uh, several very close old friends that I connected with, reconnected with, I should say, and spent time with and continued to teach the practices of the Celestine prophecy, continued to um, teach what I had learned at the Buddhist center and, um, and just kind of have fun and get my rocks off and not be serious and not make any money. Like I didn't have a job. I just sort of freelance freeloaded. Um, you know, they would sneak me into the cafeteria and feed me. Um, and, 
And then I convinced five of them to drive me to Colorado and drop me off. Um, and I think my parents gave me a little money to help me with that. Um, Cause I definitely wasn't working. Although I had saved money. That's right. I had, I had saved a bunch of money those last six months in, in Scotland. And that's what I was living off of down there. And that's what I moved to, to Colorado with. That's crazy, Andy. You have a lot of wild pocket stories. You just like remember a crazy fact and you're like, oh yeah, by the way, I lived in a van on campus in Florida for six weeks. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's crazy. And yeah. like throughout all of these adventures from point A to flying all the way to a different continent, to an island, to back, short on cash, but you survived. You made it. You floated by. You were happy and you made friends and you know you have like these serial planners but then you have these awesome people like you who serial just planners <laughs> serial planners <laughs> like me I was gonna say know? is that you are you defining yourself right now as a full-on itineraries planner. and making yeah. sure where I'm gonna be for the next couple of weeks but you didn't have that and look at where you are now you know yeah yeah. Well, and I try, I trust the magic of synchronicity and I'm trained after 25 years of using that. I have a great example that just happened this morning. So, um, tomorrow I'm going to London. Um, and, um, I, I'm a little bit of a serial planner as well now. Like I like, I've been, a, I was a travel agent for a long period of time. So I like to have my travel kind of regimented or at least pre-planned and things printed. And I don't like to be like, ah, at the airport, I'm supposed to have this and I don't, <laughs> right? So, um, you know, double and triple check the passport and all of that, right? So um, I printed everything out. So I have, I don't have to print out my plane ticket, of course, cause I have, I'll have my phone while I'm here. So I'll check in on the app, but then when I get there, I won't have, I won't have service. I'll, I'll have Wi-Fi but you don't always get Wi-Fi wherever you go, right? So I won't have service. I'll have to either get a SIM card right away or just wing it, I'm thinking I might wing it. Um, I usually get a SIM card. But um, so I printed, I, I, got a, I got the train ticket from the Heathrow Airport to Paddington Station where our hotel is. Um, mm -hmm. I booked the hotel obviously already. So we have a hotel. My friend is meeting me there and we have a hotel. Um, and then I booked the train ticket back to Heathrow where I'm flying down to France. So I'm flying from, from London to France four nights in, in uh, London and four or five nights, I think four nights anyway, in France. Um, and this morning, EasyJet is the plane that I'm taking from London to France, to Marseille. Um, uh, this morning I'm looking at the, my phone, you know, EasyJet sends me a notification um, you know, is everything you do have you printed or checked in or whatever, which I did. I did a few days ago. I checked in to that because you can check in in the US, you have to check in 24 hours ahead of time. I guess with this easy jet, I could check in whenever. So I checked in, confirmed the bags, confirmed every the seat, right? Today, and I so I did that and I I missed a very key point. I am not flying out of Heathrow Airport. London has two airports. I'm flying out of Gatwick Airport. How far is that? Nowhere freaking near each other. They're like an oh hour. Oh my God. <laughs> so, and I didn't even, I didn't notice it Yikes. when I booked it. I didn't notice it when I confirmed it and checked in. I noticed it when they sent me an email this morning. 
So I had to cancel flying tomorrow. Yeah. I had to cancel. Now I'm not going to Gatwick until Monday of next week. Right. Or Tuesday even of next week. Um, but still like, I'm not going to be looking at that stuff. I'm going to be wee free falling all over London. So like for me to see that this morning, it's like, why did I, why was that the first thing I saw when I looked at my phone? Why was that? So in the seventh insight, we're taught to follow luminosity and trust. Like sometimes you feel like you're in a rabbit hole or you're like squirrel, squirrel, right? But I am aware enough that I, even when I boomerang like that, right? Like squirrel, I make a mental note. I need to come back to this because that was very important, right? And so I was looking at something else. I I opened my phone. I try not to look at my, I mean, I get on my yoga mat right away. Um, I try not to look at my phone, but I looked at my phone. I'm lying in bed. The cats are bugging me to feed them, you know? And I'm like, why am I looking at this? Why is this? And all you have to do this, you know, this is the second insight, like slow or first insight, slow down. Slow down. Slow down. I hear that a lot, like slow down. So I slowed down and I looked at it and it was loud and clear. Finally, Gatwick. And I know, luckily, like I know there are two airports. I've been a travel agent. I haven't ever had this experience where I fucked up and had to go to the other airport because there are two airports in Dallas. There are two airports in Washington, D.C. I have had clients that go, oh, my God, my flight is out of Reagan, not out of Dulles in Washington, D.C., right? Um, So I'm aware of that. That's already like been imprinted upon me to check, is this the right airport? Like that's like you said earlier, like you store things and that's something that I have stored for a reason. And I have watched other people struggle with that experience of, oh crap, now what, you know? Um, And I've had experiences with lack of accessibility with Craig, where we've had to rebook an airline or, I mean, gosh, we had a really very unfortunate day in Amsterdam because we couldn't get on a plane because it wasn't accessible and they wouldn't even let him on the plane. And that's not a thing in the United States. Like that's just not a thing, but in Holland, apparently it is. And, you know, we, we were like, there's a reason. Lose your cool, be nice to the people. You get more with sugar, right? Like be kind. Right. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I, today, that was the first thing I did before we got on. I got up. At- That's so critical. That's like the most critical. critical step, considering that you have the travel agent background and for you to miss that very critical piece of information is weird, but like it's what weird. happened this morning? Yeah, yeah, no, it's weird. Like I'm focused on London. I'm not focused on Heathrow, right? So um, yeah, and the, and the brain deletes things. So like I said, it you does. can't. You can't take in all of this information. I can't take in that there are three paintings on the wall behind me and a snowboard and some boxes. And I can't take all that in. Like I just, I'm just taking in you right now or all of the things on the wall in front of me, right? The brain deletes things. That's why like you and I could look at this wall and I'll see one thing and you'll see another. And 10 minutes later, when someone quizzes us, what's on that wall, you won't remember what's on this wall. because. 
the brain deletes things. It has to, it can't take in all of the information. That's what causes us to have overwhelm. That's why people are, you know, scattered and forgetful and unfocused because the brain is deleting the wrong things, right? So if you think of yourself as a cup that keep, we keep pouring information into and the, the information is spilling out because we can't store it all, right? Um, because we're not taught how to use that 90% of our brain. You could remember if you were taught, right? Jedi's remember, Jedi's taking, right? right? Right. Like, like a CIA agent's going to take in the whole room and see the exit. Right. And know, like we've watched enough spy movies, right? Like one person's not brain can be trained. Exactly. But But, like for the normal person who doesn't usually train their brain in this manner, I think two words would stick, slow down. Just don't go too fast. Just take it in and just take a deep breath. You can't do everything all at once. Like no one can. So there's really no point in rushing things. Yeah, it's no, like a good I, reminder. I'm classic for not seeing all of the details. And I know why. And I accept why, because I move too fast. I'm, I have a very, you know, rapid fire brain intellect. And I'm, I'm like on to the next thing. But, you know, in school, I learned that that was to my detriment, right? I wouldn't. I wouldn't go over my work again. I need an, I know I I said this to you. I need an editor. I'm going to write this whole paragraph and I'm going to spell three things wrong because I'm typing too fast, not because I don't know how to spell it. Right. So, um, yeah. So it's, it slow down, slow down. That's, that's a very important thing for me to remember as well. (laughs) Yes. Slow down and that the brain is trainable and breathe. breathe. Yeah. 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 So that was, I feel like there's still so much that we haven't covered and there's still so much that we have to talk about, but I know that we went through childhood and going to Scotland and Spain and Amsterdam, and then we're back in the United States. So we did the full circle, but this was a very fun and interesting conversation, Andy. I was able to pick up so much information from you just from that talk and I don't think we went over like an hour and 30 minutes so like imagine all the information I can get just hearing more of your stories and your wild pocket stories along the way so yeah and the things that you retain from this conversation I'm sure you'll use right so anyone watching this it's the same it's like there are little things that you'll use right from my experiences I I I have people like that in my life that went before me and taught me and and, um, you know, had stories that I, like, I have a, I, I totally just thought of another story. I'll save it for another time, but I have a story around why it was okay for me to marry someone in a wheelchair. Cause someone had already opened my mind to that concept in Spain, in that three week period, two week period. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, um, I would love to dive into that. Yeah. I dated someone in a wheelchair. I can tell you that, but I was, I remember thinking I was so curious about that at the time. And this was well, actually it would have only been about a year before I would have met Craig. So, um, we didn't start dating right away, but I would have met him about a year after that. So, um, you know, little things like a year or so you're moving to Spain and yeah, I listening to your stories, I can see so many similarities to how it was for you. And I'm mirroring it to what I'm about to experience. I'm not saying that I'm already predicting 
what's going to happen to me, but I, no. I just get a sense of you like, can't, you can't predict. It, yeah, of course. In Every time you age. plan, it's like the universe throws you a curveball, and it's like that curveball is actually oh. meant to be there. It's meant to be there to teach you something, yeah. you know, which I just witnessed all last weekend with building our deck. It's like, oh my gosh, you cannot plan for any kind yeah. of, you know, easy. No out. matter how detailed that plan is, right. it's just going to, something's just going to break it. But right. I, think like another interesting idea that we can talk about next time if you're open to it uh what really stuck to me is you saying that I fall in love quickly I want to talk about relationships and what it was like what it is like um now like the dating scene back then and the scene now wow I think I don't know okay well we'll we'll talk about that (laughs) offline and then and then uh and then we'll see if I can talk about that we'll see (laughs) We will see. I'm not sure that I'm so interesting. All of those, uh, uh, yeah, wild and free stories or something that I want to share with the greater public. But um, yeah, you and I can talk about them for sure. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Get exclusive access. I think I'm blushing. Anyway, thank you for watching, everybody. Thank you for listening. We so appreciate you. If you like what you hear, please go follow us at andykennedyco.com. Um, we do have a free 21 day affirmation course that when you sign up for our mailing list, you get for free. So right away, we're giving you content um, and affirmations to help retrain your brain and get out of the comfort zone and do brave things and know that it's okay and that you're protected no matter what you do. And affirmations for me are a great foundation for that. Um, and then as I mentioned last time, Mary is just about close to helping us launch our, um, and I give all the, the credit to her because she is the master magician, magician in our, in our office, um, our virtual office, <clears throat> because of course she's across the world, literally 12 hours ahead of me. So she's a time mm-hmm. traveler right now. She's coming back in time to 930 AM. Um, in the future. Yes. Thank you for being here from the future. Um, and I love that. And I'm going to the future tomorrow. So I'm super excited about that. You know, you leave in Thursday and you wake up and it's Friday. It's like, how does that happen? It's amazing. You're going to time travel. Yeah. It's amazing. It's totally amazing. Totally messes with your mind and your body, but it's still amazing. Um, so yes. And if you're listening on Mary's brand new, um, not so good at small talk podcast, please continue to follow her there for lots of things around the topic of, of not small talk, which I love because I am not also good at small talk. Like Thank I, you, people, people freak out when they're with me and they're brand new to me. Cause they're like, wait, why are we going so deep already? I just met you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it's cause Same. I don't care about your dog or your son or no, I, I cannot for the life of me. Nope. Yeah. I do not for the life of me. I want to know why you came to this planet this time around. <laughs> yes that's the first question I expect when we meet <laughs> <laughs> awesome awesome thank you everybody we'll see you next time thank you